I am privileged to be here this morning. It's been a long time uh, since we've been here. The Lord uh, had my wife and I here for over nine, or right at nine and a half years as the associate pastors here. So uh, looking out over the congregation this morning, uh, it's good to see all of you here this morning. It's just like coming back home and, and being with the family again. And uh, I just want to thank the board and all of you for allowing me this opportunity to minister to you this morning. Uh, I'm looking forward to it. I know the Lord has great things that he wants to do here. He has a message that he wants you to hear as well. So, uh, again, I am glad to be here. A couple of things I'd like to do before we get started, and that is just to uh, let you know that, and I would like you to give a, a great big round of applause for my wife who's here this morning, Miss Kate. If you don't know her, she's this lady sitting right down here. And no, I won't ask her to stand up and be embarrassed this morning like I used to do back in the day, amen? Uh, also, I'd like you to welcome, if you would, if you put your hands together this morning, uh, for my sister Sharon uh, Vertisca, who is all the way from Gainesville, Texas this morning. We're glad to have her, and she's right there. And would you like to stand? And No, I won't do that to you. <laughs> she's my sister, you know, you gotta do stuff like that. All right. And also, I'd just like to uh, give you a little bit of an update before we get started this morning. And uh, we've been gone for about two and a half years, almost two and a half years, doing what the Lord had redirected us to do. We're still accomplishing that uh, direction that he gave to us, that vision uh, that he gave to us to be involved in the United States military and the, and the National Guard, to be specific. Um, I'm working on a four-year master's. Uh, degree which is a military chaplaincy I will be done and completed with that uh, next year uh, in three years amen praise the Lord and I will be glad to be done uh, with that amen uh, last May I received a two-year degree in leadership uh, which I was glad to get but I'll be glad when the whole thing is done amen uh, so again I'm grateful for what the Lord has done. We have missed you, however, and uh, you have always been in our hearts and our prayers and believing and trusting God that he's got uh, great plans. I know he does uh, because all of you are here today, and I'm glad to see that. Uh, you haven't missed a beat. You haven't skipped a step, and that's the sign of a strong church. Amen. So I want to thank the Lord for that this morning. Uh, just to continue on with a little bit more of an update, you know, and remember my son Johnny, he is serving in Afghanistan. Uh, he'll be coming home in two weeks, amen, after a seven-month deployment, and he has made it, and we always knew that he would, amen. We applied the blood of Jesus over him, his mind, body, spirit, and soul, so we know that God protected him, and he has done that. We did get a report from his wife, Jessica, uh, just a week or so ago. Um, he would call from time to time and he wasn't allowed to say a lot of things about what was going on but he'd give us little indications and finally he got to uh, give a little bit more indication to his uh, to his wife about what happened he said he had a rough day and uh, somebody a bad thing happened to somebody that was very close to him so we sort of figured oh you know that's not a real good thing but what had happened was uh, they were out on patrol and they were hit by an IED, and one of Johnny's good friends was right in front of him. And he got hit, and Johnny is a uh, first responder combat medic, 
Uh, he assists the uh, medics out there and stuff in the field. So he tried to do all that he could to, uh, to stop the bleeding and to get everything uh, taken care of. They let him go on the helicopter uh, with his friend who's from Los Angeles. And this was a, you know, a big write-up in the paper and everything. And so we got to look at it online. And uh, Johnny went with him on the helicopter uh, to make sure he was going to be OK. And he died in route. So that's serious business over there. And we are just glad that he is going to be home and he's sound in his mind. We've already had good reports about that. And uh, I believe that this experience is going to make him a better person, a stronger person. Amen? Because God will take those things that are meant for evil and destruction in our lives and turn them around for our good. And he's heard that since he was a young man all of his life, so we believe for great things. Also, my son Micah and uh, his crew are here this morning. We're glad to see them. Let's give them a round of applause as well. <coughs> you remember BJ, you know this big guy right down here? He's my bodyguard. And uh, he was here He uh, was here at River of Life for quite some time. He used to play the drums for us. Uh, we're glad to have him here this morning as well. Micah uh, finished high school. He got to take a great senior trip to Italy. Amen. And uh, I would like to have done, you know, something like that. Especially, you know, one of the most amazing things, he brought back, of course, many pictures. And he got to see the Colosseum and he got to see uh, the Vatican. And one of the great things that just blows my mind, even I know we can go see Jesus' tomb and everything. But I just never quite, you know, we think about that all the time, but I never thought about, he got to go down on a tour and see where the Apostle Paul was imprisoned under house arrest in the book of Acts, in that cell room. And I just thought that was the most amazing thing. And before he went, I said, make sure you go somewhere where you can see where Paul was. And he went and he came back with that report, and I thought that was tremendous. So he had a great trip and a great time. Uh, after his graduation from high school. And Ace is here. I think all of you know Asa this morning. And uh, he is in the eighth grade, and he's looking at going to high school next year. And all I can say about this morning about Asa is that he's my buddy. Uh, he's my football buddy. We have a great time. I don't know if you know it or not. Some of you probably do, but we're great uh, football fans. Uh, I won't mention any names of Dallas Cowboys, but anyway, uh, He's, we just get together. We have a great time together when we watch football. I mean to tell you. Uh, so he's my buddy. He's doing great. Everybody's doing great in the family. And once again, it's good to be back and to see all of you uh, here this morning. All right. Now that we've got that accomplished. Are you living your destiny by design? I've already heard many things and information and talk and conversation this morning about destiny. So I know that the Lord has uh, a word that he wants to share with you this morning, and that's what we're going to attempt to do. And that would be the title of this morning's message is, Are You Living Your Destiny by Design? That will be the title, and that will also be the question that I present to you today to think about and to contemplate uh, as you go throughout the day and throughout the week and really practicing the presence of God. Practicing the presence of God. Are you living your destiny by design? And I think you'll understand more about what I'm saying as we, of course, go along in the message. It'll make more sense to you. But just think about that as we go through. 
Basically what it's saying is God has created you to live and to carry out the plan he has for your life every day. And sometimes that can get muddled up and jumbled up and we lose perspective and we lose focus. So what I want you to understand today is God is involved in every situation, every circumstance, day by day, moment by moment. And it brings to mind that prayer that says to pray without ceasing. I believe that you can do that. You can pray continually, always thinking about what God is saying, always thinking about what he's doing. What is he saying to you right now, this moment? Are you keeping that focus, yet having perspective at the same time about what God wants to do with you and your destiny in that plan and ministry that he has for your life? So that's basically what we're going to be talking about. You'll always hear me say time and time again, God has a purpose and a plan and a time. You've heard me say it for nine and a half years. I've said, I'm going to say it again right now. God has a purpose and he has a plan and a time for everything that happens to you in your life. And if we can remember to keep that presence and to practice that presence of God, you'll go through life a lot more simpler, amen, with a lot more confidence, with a lot more focus, with a lot more joy and peace that you've ever had before. So we need to keep focused this morning. Now, I'd just like to take a, a little bit of time and let you know, before we get started, that I have submitted a plan to the board of the church. They haven't looked, had the opportunity yet to look at it, but I have submitted a plan to the church that I think would fit well here, uh, knowing you and knowing what's been established. A great foundation has been established over the years, and I'd like to say that I was, you know, at least a, a small part of that. And I think this plan uh, that I've presented would work well. And I think especially as far as the cell groups, some people call them cell, cell groups, some people call them small groups, I like to call them uh, perhaps marketplace ministry groups. Um, God has already started that work here in our, in our society and the day and culture that we live in today. That is what is building the churches. That's what's building and is working in our society and culture that we live in. It's no longer about big services, a lot of productions. Uh, it's not about uh, special events, how many special events you can do, but it's all about relationships, which it's always been about, amen? One-on-one -on -one relationships, and small groups gives you the opportunity to fulfill your ministry, to do what God has for you to do, and, and provide Amen. It provides you the opportunity to exercise the ministry that God has for you. And when we do that, that's how the church will grow. Okay? It's not going to be, once again, I just want to make that clear. Special services, you know, TV, radio, internet, none of those things. But it's going to be because you minister one-on-one -on -one with those in your friends, with your family and those directly that are associated with you in your sphere of influence in, in close proximity. Okay, so when we get together and uh, we start having small groups pop up, which I've noticed on the website that they are, and I thought that was outstanding, uh, that those groups are, and, and people are starting to take the initiative and get out there and say, I understand that God, if we're going, if I'm going to grow as an individual, and this church is going to grow, then I'm going to have to be involved and do it. 
Amen? Because that's just, that's exactly what's happening. Um, that's how the church in our day and time is growing. So I want to encourage you in that way as well, that you've got a great foundation uh, with the small groups or the uh, marketplace ministry groups, whatever you want to call it. And a good example of that is also you can look at the chaplaincy. I'm involved in the National Guard, as you already know, uh, as a chaplain candidate. And uh, we're starting to see the chaplaincy take over and all, you know, the, you have chaplains out in the sports world. You have chaplains in the military. You have chaplains at the hospital. Now, in the business world, you're starting to see chaplains pop up all over in the business world. Why? Where do most people spend their time? At work. That's where they are. Many relationships are being developed with these chaplains. Instead of trying to bring the people into the church, the church is going out to the people. Many times, they'll get their chaplain to officiate funerals and weddings and services, uh, to intervene wherever it needs to be done, because they're out with the people. And I think that uh, if we can tap into that, that would be one of the great uh, resources that we could use in this church with the foundation, once again, that's already been built, is those small groups. So I'd like to encourage you uh, to be thinking about that. Basically, what's in the packet is a vision for this church, a purpose statement for this church, and a process that we will try to focus in on, not so much about the big events and the full calendars, but on the process of bringing our goals together to build people's lives. Because that's what we would be doing. Amen? And uh, I'm excited about that. I think that uh, we could do that quite well. Now, let me make an interjection here. Uh, bear with me. I I'm not going to take all day. I guarantee you. I'm going to try to hurry. I want to respect your time. I appreciate you being here. Uh... I'm going to tell off on myself just a little bit. Greg called me the other day. Well, actually, I say the other day. It was about three months ago. All right. And he said, Brother John, would you like to come and, and uh, candidate for the senior pastor of the church? And the way that I receive that, and you have to know me to understand this, so if you don't know me, bear with me. I thought he said, would you like to come be the pastor of the church? Because it's, that's the way I received it. Why? Because this is my family. I love you. I know you. I would love that opportunity to do that. So here's what I did. I knew what he had said and what he meant, but something came over me. I don't know what it was, but something came over me, and I went and packed all that I had. Anything that I would bring down here to work with. And it's in boxes as we speak in my house. Do you believe that? You can laugh if you want to, okay? But that's just the way I thought. So finally, after a month had passed, I said, honey, I was looking at those boxes. I said, honey, do you think maybe I jumped ahead of myself a little bit, you know? You know, I know what Greg was saying, you know, it's, we can't expect you know, things like that to happen. And you know, if you know my wife, she said, she's always on the, the glass is always half full with her. And sometimes I try to bring it down a little. No, not really. But I'm glad it's always half full with her instead of half empty. She goes, no. You know, you're just walking by faith and that kind of stuff. Well, yeah. Another month passes by. I'm looking at those boxes and I'm saying, honey, I don't know what's going on, you know. 
He goes, no, everything's fine. Finally, the third month went by, and I said, forget the whole thing. So, but that's, how, but that's how the Lord deals with me. He knows that's how I am. If he were to, if he were to allow something like that, you know, I would hurt myself if, you know, if I had something happen that quick. Usually it doesn't happen. Usually there's two or three opportunities, and the Lord tells me to wait. Not only wait, but wait and be ready. Whether it goes this way, that way, or this way, that's my business. You wait and be ready for whatever God wants to do. So that's where I'm at. Amen? And I'm going to believe with you. Whatever God wants to do, uh, I'm ready. We're ready. If it's with somebody else, be ready. Amen? And we'll be ready with you. Uh, because we want what God wants. Sometimes I get excited. And I want to be a part of anything that he wants to put me in. And uh, that's just the way that I am. So I appreciate that. Uh, anyway, that's it. Now we'll get started in the message. Amen. And this won't. This is not going to take forever, in a day. Uh, but anyway, we'll be turning to the Book of Psalms, one thirty-nine verses one through eighteen, talking about living your destiny by design. Psalms one thirty-nine verses one through eighteen. Would you stand this morning as we, yes, already doing so, praise God, haven't missed a beat. <coughs> oh Lord, you have examined my heart and know everything about me. You know when I sit down or stand up. You know my thoughts even when I'm far away. You see me when I travel and when I rest at home. You know everything I do. You know what I'm going to say, even before I say it. Lord, you go before me and follow me. You take your hand of blessing on my hand. You place your hand of blessing on my head. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too great for me to understand. I can never escape from your spirit. I can never get away from your presence. If I go to heaven, you are there. If I go down to the grave, you are there. If I ride the wings of the morning, if I dwell by the farthest oceans, even there your hand will guide me and your strength will support me. I could ask the darkness to hide me and the light around me to become night, but even in darkness I cannot hide from you. To you the night shines as bright as day. Darkness and light are the same to you. You made all the delicate inner parts of my body and knit me together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your markmanship, or workmanship rather, is marvelous. How well I know it. You watched me as I was being formed in utter seclusion. I was woven together in the dark of the womb. You saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. That's an awesome thought right there. How precious are your thoughts about me, O God. They cannot be numbered. I can't even count them. They outnumber the grains of sand. And when I wake up, you are still with me. Father, we just thank you, Lord, this morning for your word. We thank you, Lord, for this opportunity once, to, uh, once again to be here 
in your house with your people. And Lord, we know that you have great things that you want to do in our lives as individuals. You have great things in store and that you want to do in this body of believers as a church. And Lord, we just decree right now that those things will happen. Why? Because we trust you. You have great things in store that you want to do, that you want to accomplish. And your name will be magnified and glorified throughout this area and throughout this region. We give you praise for what you're doing, Lord. We thank you for it. We believe it. We receive it. That we will just wait upon you. You will guide and lead and direct us to what you'd have us to do. Not only in certain situations, but Lord, day by day, moment by moment. For you know every day of our life. And we thank you, Lord, for that today. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. And all of God's people said... Amen. God bless you this morning as you be seated. <clears throat> the first thing that we need to do in discovering our destiny by design is to know God. Now that seems pretty elementary, doesn't it? But sometimes it gets pretty muddled. Sometimes it can get pretty muddled. In our lives, and especially in our culture, the society that we live in. But we must know God in a moment-by-moment -moment kind of way. And we must know who we are. And over the last two and a half years, basically, a lot of what I've learned in the last two and a half years, of course, I would be bringing that here to share with you. And a lot of that, moment-by-moment, -moment, is something that... Uh, I think it's just a wonderful thing realizing and understanding that you can walk and hear and listen and pray with God moment by moment continually without ceasing. So we must know if we're going to live our destiny by design who God is and that he is God and who we are, what our gifts, our talents, our abilities, what he's called us to do, how he wants us to function in the body of Christ. He wants you to know that today and if you don't know that yet it's never too late so we must know that's our first point the other two points are be and do that's all we're going to cover okay we must know God and know who we are as a people as an individual and the culture that we live in in Revelation 19, 13, Jesus is referred to as the Word of God. Somebody say amen. John 1, 1 through 5 says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was? The Word was God. Now I'd like to say that our culture and our society is guided and led by the church. How many know that that's not true today? I wish it were true. We need to, as Brother Frank, you heard him pray this morning, we need to believe by faith that God is working with our leaders, the president, and with our society, our culture, that God may invade, continue to invade our society and culture. We're going to believe and never will stop believing that God is able to do that. But you know right now at the moment, you know who is guiding and leading and directing our culture and what's said and done? And I'm not slamming this person as a person, as an individual. But our culture and society is being dictated to or led by people like Oprah. Do you know, do you know what I'm saying? That is true. That is true. What she says, go, and 
I hope she gets saved real soon. I, I mean, maybe she might be. I don't know. I'm not trying to be her judge. Uh, but she seems to think she's, she's erroneous in her theology in that she seems to think that you can get to heaven by serving this God, this God, and that God, and we can all serve different gods. I'm sure you've heard it out there. Anybody see that show? That's a good thing. But we need to watch things like that. We need to understand that we need to serve God and know God, and He is the only true God. Okay? Amen. We also live in a postmodern society. What do I mean by that? What is that? A society that questions everything, that for the most part doesn't consider the Bible to be absolute truth. They question everything. They think and believe, as I said, that you can have any God and get to heaven. They think of the church in an archaic, judgmental way. So do you see why we have to have perspective? Why we have to be focused at the same time and know who it is that we serve? And if we have to, if we can't get them to come into the church, we'll take our ministries out to the church and build it there and believe God that he'll then bring them back in. Amen? BJ's doing a great ministry like that. He's in the, one of those head-banging, you know, ministry uh, Christian groups, and they do that all the time, going out seeing young kids saved, you know, by the power of God. So I want to commend him on that as well. But that's the kind of society that we live in, a postmodern society. So, in knowing God as individuals and as a people, and knowing our culture, that's the kind of things that we need to know. Where we're at in our society, where we're at in our culture, how are we going to reach them? Do we have a purpose? Do we have a plan? How are we going to do it? That's what we need to do. When I went to the military school in the army, it was called Chibolic, by the way. Another word that we dealt with there was pluralism. Pluralism. That means that you have people from, you know, in the military, most of the people that you're ministering to are unsafe. And they come from every background, and they put in chaplains from every background there is under the sun. Okay? And a lot of people couldn't deal with that. Pluralism. We had one guy, after three months of training, get almost, he was two weeks out from graduation and he quit. He said, I'm not going to do that. I can't take all of these different beliefs that surround, you know, that was surrounding him. He wasn't stable or anchored in his faith and it started to shake him and he quit. Thank God he came back eventually with a few days left and he went ahead and graduated. But pluralism is, is something that we have to uh, think about and deal when you're dealing with people outside of the church. Okay? Uh, the way that I viewed it was, hey, God gives every woman, boy, and child the opportunity to choose. We were created that way, to make a choice. So it wasn't really an issue or a problem uh, for me to be with different faiths and different backgrounds. He gives us a choice. The United States military gives you your choice. But know this, and this is what I want you to know. Once you make that choice, that I serve God and I am a Christian this morning, there is no other choice. How many believe that this morning? Amen? Somebody's got to get happy with me or something this morning. Help me out. Help me out. There is no other choice. There's only Jesus. 
Acts 4 and 12, there's no other name given among men where we must be saved. Amen. John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes unto me except by the Father. You've got Exodus 20 and 3. Amen. You shall have no other gods but me. The Bible is clear over and over again, Old and New Testament. There is only one way to serve God, and that's Jesus. Don't let the society, don't let the culture, don't let everyday situations and circumstances in your life get you drugged down to where you don't practice that presence every day. Okay, so we've got to know who we serve. Hallelujah. We need to pray for our president. Absolutely pray and believe God will use him. See, God already knew that he was going to be the president. Amen? So nothing's taking him by surprise. And I believe, like I told my family, I don't believe in a lot of the things uh, on a moral uh, platform that he stands on. But I, I think it's great that he uh, is representing his race in the White House. Amen. I think that's a great thing. And I like those commercials that he does, you know, for the NFL. That was a great commercial, man. I believe his heart is in the... And he says he's a Christian. And if you say, if you've made that choice to be a Christian, then you can't be silent and say we're no longer a Christian nation. We can allow everybody else to believe what they want. That's fine. Come here and worship and everything else as you please. But you have a responsibility as a Christian at that point to stand and believe and say, I am a Christian and this is a Christian nation. Now we need to pray for our president on those types of issues. And I don't want to use this pulpit as a political sounding board or anything like that, so I'm going to move on. Amen? But he's a good... He's a good speaker. He's a good. Uh, there's so many good things I do like about him. So keep him uh, in your prayers today. Amen. Secondly, moving on, we must be. We must be when we are living our destiny by design. We must be and we must have Christ-like character. Let me read from the book of Galatians, if you would turn there. The book of Galatians, chapter 5. Galatians 5, 19 through 23. When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, uh, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition... Dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. Let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these. Amen? We want to be Christ-like when we understand that we know who God is, what He wants me to be and as an individual. Once we know the society in which we live and how to go out and reach them, then what we need to present to them is what? We need to present to them Christ-like character. They need to see Jesus through each and every one of us. Experience His anointing. I pray. Uh, Casey, I pray all the time. There you are. 
God, every person I come in contact with, may they experience your anointing, your glory, and your power. Amen? Every day. Lord, let them see not my shortcomings and adequacies and faults and, and, and stuff like that, but may they experience Jesus through me. Okay? That's what we need to pray. We need to pray, God, make us more like Jesus. We need to be Christ-like in our character. Rick Warren says, how many know about Rick Warren? Did you know he, that he gave the presidential uh, uh, invocation at our president's uh, inauguration? Rick Warren says in his book, The Purpose Driven Church, that each time you are in a situation, now we're talking about those fruits of the Spirit that we just talked about, that are, we know that they're developed over time. If you didn't know that, you know that now. Uh, that is something that takes place and, is, and, and happens over a lifetime. Okay? So, he says that each time, how do, and, the, and the question is, I'm trying to get ahead of myself. Uh, the question is, how do we know that this fruit's being developed? Is there some kind of check? Is there some kind of gauge? Is there some kind of report? You know, we always say, Lord, produce the fruit of the Spirit. Well, it'll be evident, Brother Johnny. It'll be evident. We'll be able to see it in you. Well, that's true, but how are you going to know? How are you going to know? And I like what Rick Warren had to say. You know that you're having that fruit of the Spirit being developed, that the Holy Spirit is, and it's the Holy Spirit that develops this fruit in your life. You know that He's doing it. Because any time that you find yourself in a situation or a circumstance and you make a choice, if that choice is a good choice, you're growing. That could, that could be a gauge for you. And I don't know, I just never thought of it this way. I thought it was pretty cool, you know, that we could see how God is working and moving and developing in our lives. If you make a bad choice, you're not growing. Okay, so that's why it's very important that we become like Christ, that we're obedient, and try to emulate and do what he would have us to do. Again, I'll use a military illustration of this. Uh, in, the, in the army, they have what they call a warrior's ethos. Um, ethos meaning a, a belief system that you have. A belief system that, that is intrinsic and that it runs through you as a group, as a person, as an as individual. Okay? We have a warrior's ethos, and that warrior's ethos hangs around each and every one of our necks. And what it says is, number one, I will always place the mission first. I will always place the mission first. And this is how we can become and learn to be more like Christ. This ought to be the warrior's ethos of every Christian in the church today. It doesn't matter what group, what affiliation you're with, you need to have a warrior's ethos. I will always place the mission first. What mission is that? Somebody help me. What mission? The Great Commission. Every Christian will have the Great Commission. I will always place the mission first. I will never accept defeat is number two. This ought to be our, what runs through us as Christians. I will never accept defeat from the enemy. I will never quit is number three. I will never quit. And number four, <coughs> excuse me, I will never leave a fallen comrade. Now sometimes in the church we struggle with that. 
I will never leave a fallen comrade. You know what I've been noticing on the TV? Sometimes I watch Christian television, see what's going on, what's happening in the Christian world uh, on television. And you know what I've seen? There's three ministers back in the 80s and the 90s. Now, you'll have you know, your own position that you want to uh, uh, take issue with this or whatever, develop your own opinion, which is great. But they were labeled fallen ministers. Okay? And... You probably remember who they are. There was Jim Baker, Jimmy Swaggart, and then later on, I believe in the 90s, it was Robert Tilton. They took a beating from the religious world. More of a beating from the religious world than they did out in the world. I mean, they took a beating. But you know what kept coming to my mind? They didn't quit. You know that each one of those ministries is back on television? You may not agree with everything that they preach or that they teach, but we cannot afford to lose warriors of God like that. Now, they may, you know, they've had to pay with consequences. I'm not saying that they won't escape consequences. Their ministries may not be as great as they used to be, but they still didn't quit. You and I today can't quit. <coughs> <coughs> I've had a cough. Bear with me. <coughs> Give me a second. Sometimes I there we go. <coughs> Sometimes I get excited, amen? Silence don't scare me. It shouldn't scare you either. So I was excited that they haven't quit. They're still out there preaching the gospel. Why? Because we know that God, as we read in Psalms 139, He has your future laid out day by day in front of Him. He already knew that those things were going to happen to those people. But He still called them. And they still have a ministry to do. Whether it's smaller or not as powerful or they suffered some consequences in their life, that's true. But they never quit. They never gave up. And I would rather listen to them than listen to Oprah about what she believes the society of our country should be, the culture. So don't, you, you may not agree with every doctrinal issue, and that's good. You ought to have your own. You ought to develop your own position. But my God, let's not bury our, you know, the church is known for, and it's changing. I want you to know, after two and a half years in seminary classes and classes and speakers and people come, I've never had so many tapes and CDs and classes and preachers and teachers. I mean, it, I cannot believe it. All over the place. It, that perception is changing. Not that you condone bad things that people that have problems. But don't bury them. Don't kill the, the wounded. The military doesn't even do that. They're not even a Christian. I mean, you know, Christian entity or organization. <laughs> but we can learn from that. Never leave those that are injured or that hurting. And I want to encourage you, those of you that are here this morning, if you have failed in any way in your life, if you're going through a failure right now, a lot of us won't know about it because you won't mention it. But I'm going to help you right here. If you're going through a difficult situation, a circumstance in your life, and you don't know if you can serve God anymore. You don't know if He can use you anymore. You don't know what that situation is in your life that's holding you back. 
Always remember God's got a plan. He's got a purpose, a plan, and a time for your life, regardless of what you're going through. Continue to trust and believe God. Continue to do what is right to the best of your ability. God will bring that purpose, that plan, that dream that he has for you, that you have to pass. Never quit. Never give up. Always place the mission first. Hallelujah. <clears throat> John Maxwell said, the great author of our day as far as leadership is concerned, and not only in the church, but also in the secular. You know, you go find John Maxwell books on the secular shelf. This guy is a wealth of information about leadership and about the Christian church and people in the, uh, in our, not the church, but in our uh, society that we live in. They're snapping his books up left and right in the secular world. Left and right. You know what he says? There is no achievement without failure. So don't think you're going to go through the Christian life unscathed or that you won't fall or that you won't make a mistake. You will have to gird up yourself, pick yourself up by your bootstraps and continue to go forward. Amen? That's all that we can do. What else can you do? What else can you do? There's nothing else that we can do. Continue to go forward, believing and trusting God. There is no achievement without failure. Make failure your friend. That's what John Maxwell had to say. Thirdly and lastly this morning, somebody say praise God. <clears throat> We're doing good. 11.32. Amen. Might beat the Baptist of Methodist. Amen. Last point. In living our destiny by design, what we need to do is understand who we are, the people that we're going to minister to, who, who God is. We need to be like Him. Secondly, in order to live out your destiny on a day-to-day -day basis, living in His presence, practicing His presence. And thirdly, we need to be a doer of the Word. Then we need to take that and go out and do whatever it is that He's called you to do as an individual, as a person. Whatever ministry that might be. And we'll be here, or the church is always here to help you if you don't know what that is, to discover and to find out what that is. You must be a doer of the Word. I'm going to quickly read. If you'd like to turn there, you could, to James chapter 1. And I'll, like I said, I'll be closing with this. 19 through 25. Understanding this, my dear brothers and sisters, you must, and this is a very familiar passage of Scripture, that you all know it. Understanding this, my dear brothers and sisters, you must all be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. Human anger does not produce the righteousness God desires. So get rid of all filth and evil in your lives and humbly accept the word of God has planted in your hearts, for it has the power to save your souls. But don't just listen. This is where we get all jumbled up because we don't practice God's presence on a day-to-day -day basis. This is where we get confused many times. But don't just listen to God's word. Let it go in your brain and say, yeah, I know what God's word says. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you are only fooling yourselves. For if you listen to the word and don't obey, it is like glancing at your face in the mirror. You see yourself, walk away and forget what you look like. But if you look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free, and if you do what it says and don't forget what you heard, then God will bless you for doing it. Amen?
So we need to know who we are. We need to be more like Jesus. And thirdly, we need to do the word. Now, a lot of times I get that <clears throat> as I read that passage of scripture, it came to me. It's not so much talking about uh, going out and, you know, doing ministries or doing things that you may not be called to do, but it's actually implementing, being a doer of the word is actually just implementing the word of God throughout your daily life. Okay? You don't have to say, well, you know, if I don't get to go do this, this, and this, or this kind of ministry, or this big TV ministry, or whatever it might be, and, and God's only called me, you know, then I'm really not doing much. If you are allowing the fruit of the Spirit to be developed in your life, if you're applying the Word of God to your life the best that you can, where you are, and doing what God's called you to be, then you are a doer of the Word. Amen? So don't feel insignificant. I don't get to do this. Don't compare yourself to other people, other ministries, or anything like that. Just be a doer of the Word. Amen? That's what we need to do. Be obedient and apply it to our lives. Rick Warren. Uh, I, you know, I'm so glad that he was there at the president's, uh, I thought that, man, we're on the right track, right? Because he picked him, the president picked him uh, to do that. Rick Warren also said, the ultimate goal of all, this is a great statement, the ultimate goal of all Christian education, all that seminary stuff, all that Bible college stuff, all that stuff we hear in our churches that we read in our bookstores, all those tapes and CDs, those lectures, those seminars, everything, all Christian education is to bring us to a Christ-like character. That's the goal of all Christian education is to bring us to be like Christ. So that's what we need to remember when we're, uh, you know, being who God wants us to be and also doing what he wants us to do. Why? Because it's the only thing that we're going to take into eternity with us. What I did, what my ministry was, if I was on TV or if I pastored in a little church in the country or something like that, that's not how it's graded. It's the only thing. Do you have Christ-like character that you're going to take into eternity with you? So that's what we need to know. Am I being like Christ? Do I know who he is? What are my gifts, talents, and abilities? And am I doing what he wants me to do? We can live our destiny in closing by design and by God's grace. You know, I like the definition of grace, God's divine enablement to allow you to do what it is that he wants you to do, equips you, enables you to do what he's called you to do. We can do that. We can live our destiny by design, by his spirit that dwells within each one of you, and he will produce that fruit in you and give you his grace to overcome and to do what he's called you to do. So my question that you've been thinking about since we started the message this morning, do you know you're living your destiny by design? Do you know that you are? And it's really a trick question. It was a trick question from the get-go. Amen? The answer should be yes. You are living out your destiny whether you practice it or not. Whether you realize it or not. Your destiny is unfolding each and every day. What we want to do is to make you keen, keenly aware of it. Keenly 
aware of it, sensitive to what God is doing in your life on a daily basis, minus a lot of hindrances, distractions, oppressions, and everything else that would try to keep you all muddled up and bogged up and distracted. We want you to practice His presence, amen? Living your destiny by design on a daily basis. We need to know, we need to be, and we need to do, amen? That's all I have this morning, amen? And once again, I'd just like to say that, uh, amen. Once again, I can't tell you what it means to me to be able, uh, I've pastored three other churches as well in, uh, in the time that I've served the Lord, and I've always been able, and have, have been able to go back and have been invited back by each and every one of those so, uh, churches. So I appreciate that today. It means a lot. Uh, to me, uh, because like I said, uh, you're our family. We think about you and pray for you all the time. We're going to continue to do that. That God's will be done. Not so much, you know, what uh, we'll always be family. Amen. We're always going to be family. So whatever He decides to do and wants to do, we need to get in line with that and say, God, Your will be done. We don't want to do anything else. You know, you don't want to be like me and packing my bag. I got the bags packed, Lord, I'm ready to go. Hallelujah. And I looked at those boxes. I'm still looking at those boxes. Three months later, you know, you don't want to do that. You just want to believe that God's got great things in store for you. Amen. And we do that. Sometimes, you know, I get a little, you know, I want to get going and stuff like that. God knows that. He works with, you know, with me and, and works through things like that. So I'm encouraged. No matter what happens, it's going to be what God wants to have done. Amen. I believe that. I know that with all my heart. So let's stand today, if you would, and we'll close this service out. I'm so glad that you came out today. Amen. Let's just close in prayer. I promise not to re-preach my messages, I pray. Father, we come to you today in the name of Jesus. God, we thank you for everyone that's here, uh, that you brought here, of course, by your purpose, by your design, in your time. And Lord, you have a plan for every one of our lives. Lord, you've given us dreams. Uh, Lord, like you gave us two and a half years ago. Lord, you give us dreams of going further, of doing things for you. And God, you order our steps, our paths, our choices and decisions. We ask you to do that today for us, God. Guide and lead and direct us, step by step, day by day. That, Lord, we'll do whatever you place and put before us to do. We'll take that step of faith. We'll walk in that way. We won't murmur or complain. And, God, help us if we do. Forgive us, Lord, if we do. But, Lord, you have all of our days laid out. You already know what's going to happen. Lord, we thank you for that. We don't have to work it all out, figure it all out. But, Lord, we trust you. You're going to bring it about. So we thank you for what you're doing in our lives today. We give you praise. Lord, help us to finish well. Lord, we pray today that when it's all said and done, that the Lord would say, well done, thy good and faithful servant. Enter in to all that I've prepared for you. Lord, we want to be Christ-like in our character. Change us today. Change us today. Fill us today. Strengthen us today. Help us to practice your presence today. Let us have boldness and confidence, liberty and freedom 
in the Holy Ghost today. Loose your people, Lord, to do the work that you've called them to do. Lord, may each and every person that come in contact with us, Lord, may they see Jesus through us, experience your anointing, experience your glory, experience your power. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. And all God's people said today, amen. Put your hands together for the Lord. Let them know that you're glad to be here today and that you love him. Amen.